0: You need indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning, today's show may include adult language. Here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. We actually are recording during a winning streak. I don't know if that's happened for us yet this year. So uh, I'm your your host, as always, Steve DeWalt, uh, joined by my co-host, Brian Wilcox, the man in Denver, the transplant, the blazer abroad. Uh, Well, not really abroad, but uh in a different part of the country
2: brian how are you doing tonight i'm good man i'm good i'm looking forward to hitting the game on thursday i get to see the our mighty trailblazers in person so always always exciting
1: coming to your coming to your hometown i know your
2: new hometown that's right Um, that's right
1: so before we get into some of the good news this is going to be actually an incredibly positive podcast but in order to to pay that penance, we must be a little negative to start (laughs) things off. So uh, those are the rules. I didn't write them. Um, So in true Church of Roy fashion, let's talk a little bit about Damian Lillard. This was a topic we touched on real briefly last week um, as more of like an abstract concept uh, or discussion as far as will they shut him down for an extended amount of time? And Mm -hmm. uh, he has not played since we talked then. Uh, He did not play since we last recorded, he didn't play this back-to-back recently, obviously was not a part of either one of these wins uh, against the Kings and the Nets. And he also is not traveling with the team on this extended road trip that they're about to start. Um, still no definitive word of when, uh, it, you know, if he's going to get shut down for even longer than that, but he's going to see a specialist. Um, I There's very much feels like there is a discussion around uh, whether or not, the best path, best path forward is him to play kind of mildly injured for the rest of the season. So um, Brian, what do you make of the, of the Lillard situation is our prediction or, or our uh, discussion suddenly materializing in reality here?
2: Yeah, I really don't think we're going to see him again. I think that they are going to shut him down. Um, I don't have any sources. I just think (laughs) it's not that hard of a decision. Like you got a guy that has been a top 10 player in the league the last few years who, is not that guy, uh, you know, this year. And, and I think, you know, maybe there's the, – the cold shooting was kind of strange, but um, you could just see it visually that he wasn't moving like he always has. And so, to me, you're not – you can't slap a Band-Aid on this, on this injury and hope it gets better. He's been dealing with it for years. Now's the time to fix it. Not that hard of a call. Let's do the right thing Portland. Get healthy, Dane.
1: Yep. I, I think it's just kind of a culmination of a lot of things that have all kind of happened here at once. Um, you have a grueling season last year where he's carrying a mediocre team. Um, and, you know, they lose a playoff game where he drops a bunch of points. Like, Ugh. it was just kind of clear that this was not, not the team and he was putting in a lot of effort to get them, you know, to the postseason. You know, this is an injury that's been around for a while. He has a long, I mean, not really an off season at all, long season. He goes straight into the Olympics. Um, The Olympics were not as easy as we all expected for him. I mean, it was a little bit more of a slog when you, you, when you look at the history of what Team USA basketball is outside of, you know. Their, their bronze medal finish. I mean, it was a it was not a great Olympics for Dame by any means. Um, still got the gold medal. Comes back, roster's even worse, um, and and then the rules change. And, and I think the rules change is obviously physically more physically demanding. And I think there's a world where if Dame is in prime shape, he learns to navigate the rule changes, but it maybe costs a little more physically, or you at least have to change something. Um, it just didn't seem like this injury was going to afford him the opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah, it seems logical like this is the right thing to do. And I think what, what it is, is is this week or two weeks off? Is this actually going to provide relief for him? Mm-hmm. And if it is not, if two weeks isn't going to do it, you know, why not get this surgery out of the way? And really, Sean Hyken a Bleacher Report, a name we bring up over and over again, had a great – Kind of story in bleach report where he touched on some sources and some of the reporting we had talked about earlier but basically it makes sense for dame just from a standpoint where he could be in better position to really market himself for that big extension mm-hmm. get right take kind of a year kind of a gap year a year off to to get right and, and really go into that last part of his career where he can actually make a difference and be more than just kind of a <clears throat> you know, an afterthought in the twilight of his career. So
2: Yeah, and you kind of, you know, you frame this as we had to do our penance and kind of talk as a con here. And, (laughs) you know, to me, the only con to shutting Dame down at this point is just that it kind of robs us of of a prime Damian Lillard year, right? And I think that's really the only downside, but, you know, the way he's playing, he wasn't prime Dame. And so (laughs) to me, it's almost like, I kind of just want to see him announce it and shut him down. And it'd almost be like a weight off the shoulders because it kind of sucked seeing him struggle out there and you can see it. And so to me, it's almost like a weight off the shoulders. You know, we potentially make a run at a high draft pick. You get to see some young guys, you know, get some minutes to kind of pop, which we're going to talk about. And, uh, you know, the coaching staff, give them kind of a gap year to get caught up. Mm -hmm. And then it also kind of gives you a little roster flexibility heading into – or as we move close to the trade deadline where Cronin can look towards next year, rather than trying to make that big push right before the trade line and potentially take advantage of some, you know, other teams that are trying to do that.
1: Yeah. I, I think there is a little bit of a downside as far as when you're talking about coaching staff, you, you would like to see what Billups can do with the, with a ready and able Damian Lillard, but you know, five-year deal, we got four more years to figure that out. Exactly. So, yep. Um that said there is another backcourt star on this team uh cj mccollum we have not seen him for an extended amount of time he had a you know lung injury uh pretty serious stuff sounds like he's fully recovered from that injury uh from some of the stories we've seen in the last week um he's basically just awaiting the arrival of his first child and then he'll be back with the team and you know in a different world where we're not in the middle of a pandemic he's probably with the team now where you can mm-hmm. kind of come in and out and travel and not worry about, you know, being in those settings and potentially, you know, being COVID positive. So um, it, it sounds like he, I mean, it's any day now is what it sounds like. So I think we're going to see CJ McCollum back in this lineup soon. Um, so that's obviously some good news. You, you want to see what he, he does. The same thing. You want to see how he interacts with, mm-hmm. The Bill Up system and really let's let's get right into it. You want to kind of see him play next to, to Anthony Simons and you want to see Anthony Simons play next to somebody because right now Anthony Simons is balling out. He is oh, yeah. putting together an impressive stretch of game.
0: And it's not just his scoring. He has the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet.
3: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. A very clear command of the
1: court that he did not have before. I mean, it's not perfect by any means. Mm -hmm. I talked about this on my recap on Sunday. I mean, there's still some stuff that, that has to be polished, but man, he looks a lot more comfortable in that driver's seat. And, you know, just in this month, I mean, if you want to talk about individual scoring, he's averaging 27.8 points per game in the month of January, which, I mean, that's that's Damian Lillard type stuff. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but he's had a double-digit assist game in the, in the win against the Nets, um, was very much in control of the offense, only three turnovers in that game. And mm-hmm. you're talking about someone – with Norm out, with some of these other guys out, with C.J. McCollum out, he's got the ball in his hand. He's the driver of that offense. Um, against the Kings, you know, six assists, four turnovers, not perfect, but, you know, 31 points. I mean, the guy is is playing with command. Um, when all these other guys are out, he's at the top of the scouting report. I mean, it would, it would be him and how do you neutralize Yusuf Nurkic. Mm-hmm. And he's risen to the occasion. And – I am really impressed to the point where I think we're going to start having to ask some hard questions here about Ooh. the direction of what this team wants to do, especially with their guard rotation. Brian, before we get into that discussion though, what have you seen from Anthony? I mean, this is, we've done this a couple shows in a row now, yeah. but what's, I mean, it, what, the, the encouraging parts, what are, what are you seeing? I hope, we, I
2: hope we do this the rest of the season, just have encouraging <laughs> your, you know, great ant conversations every pot. Um, I don't know, man. I think that uh, game against the Nets, to me, might have been my favorite game of his career. It, it might have not been the flashiest, especially in the you know points department, but the 11 assists, six rebounds, you know, taking care of the ball. A lot of that stuff just looked uh, like he could repeat it moving forward. You know, and, and, it, and it showed true growth in his game. It wasn't just a game he got hot. It wasn't a flash in the pan. Was a Kings two years ago or whatever in the last game? Yeah, was, yeah, you know something like that. It, this was something that that looked like a performance that he could replicate uh, moving forward, and it really you know just makes me excited to see what else he can do while he kind of has the spotlight.
1: And, and when we say it's a game that, or when you say it's a game he can replicate going forward, obviously we don't expect him to go two for eleven from downtown and again. No, but no. what it does, what is impressive about that is though, is his bread and butter part of his offense that outside shooting with really good accuracy was not on the table and he found a way to positively impact the game when his shot wasn't going down. Exactly. And that, and that is just a sign of not only player progression, but really point guard progression is how do you make a positive impact on your team when the ball isn't going in on your shots? And it's something that all the great guards learn how to do when they really take that next level. Now, This is such a small sample size. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, there's still a lot we got to see, but there's a lot here to be really encouraged about how how Ant's playing here. And really, when I talk about looking forward, which I want to do now, is there's no world that I I think exists where you can have, and and this is something I brought up time and time again, is you can't have Damian Lillard, CJ McCall, Norman Powell, and Anthony Simons all in these big deals. And not only from a money standpoint, but just from playing these guys in the proper role that they deserve to be playing in. You just can't do it with those four guys. Now, I mean, in some weird, wacky Neil Shea world, maybe you're running a four guard lineup, <laughs> but I just don't see that going forward. So you really start to wonder how does this team navigate this going forward? Um, obviously, when you're looking at tradable pieces, you know, Norm's probably near the top of that list just from a salary standpoint. Also, mm-hmm you know, Ant's still on his rookie deal. You would get him on a control contract, but I don't think there's anybody right now that wants to see Anthony Simons go anywhere other than in a contract extension and staying in Portland. So what do you make uh, of the decision that, you know, Portland's going to, Joe Cronin's going to have a, a decision to make well before this off season. I think you need to start planning for what you do here at the deadline. I
2: agree. You can't have the, all those. I think, you might be able to get away with having three out of the four. I think in an ideal world, you're probably rolling with two out of the four and and moving those other guys for complimentary. You know, might not be equal value, but something close and just kind of, you know, trying to balance out the roster a little bit. And really, you almost have to save one of those guys is Norm just to get a little size at one position. And so that kind of leaves you like, I don't think Dame's going anywhere, right? And so. You mean Dave Norm and then probably one of those other two guys is kind of how I see it shaking out, but we'll see. I, but you hit it on the head where you just can't have all these, all this money tied into these four guys with not enough minutes and, and you know, the right rules to go around.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just not how you build a balanced roster that's going to be serious about competing beyond the regular season. And I mean, that's just something that's plagued this team mm-hmm. outside of a Western Conference finals run. Um, obviously of of the players that could generate the most value, at least is what it sees is obviously Damian Lillard. Uh, We don't think he's going anywhere. I think there is a, I I really am buying in more that there is a commitment here, especially if they handle this injury correctly. If they really, it it does open a window for the franchise to, to build some goodwill Where, let's face it, this franchise, you know, the first (laughs) successful team they had was built on this foundation of, of a questionable way of how they handled the bill Walton situation. I mean, now they have a chance to correct it with another generational star and, a and they can really do right by him. So, you know, dames off the table, I would say, obviously, Anthony, it probably generates the second most amount of value. And he really mm-hmm. is kind of starting to play up to, and it's funny that he's no, I mean, it, I'm happy. He's not here for several reasons, but it's kind of funny that he is living up to like this very big billing that, O'Shea always gave him and now he's he's hitting it and like I just hope like it's like a, almost like a uh, Apocalypse Now situation where Neil shea is in some tropical area and there's like a ceiling fan and the sun's hitting him and he's smoking now and there's a thin layer of sweat and he's watching Anthony Simon's average 28 points per game uh <laughs> after his departure and he, i just hope he's miserable <laughs> but now uh, no, but, but i hope he's telling i hope he's telling people at the bar who may or may not speak the same language as him that like i knew it <laughs>
2: i knew he was gonna be good but uh a little anyway, vindication just... a little vindication for neil here probably I, you know and i don't think anyone ever doubted and's talent he was just a guy that was gonna take a little time and, and i think now the fruits of Portland's labor developing him and, and their patience are paying off, and, and kind of a really cool way to see as a fan. Yeah.
1: And shout out to, to Dan Morang, another huge uh, Anthony Simons stand, um, pointed out just some of the unreal numbers that Anthony Simons is putting together as a, a primary ball handler and in pick and roll situations. I mean, mm-hmm. he is near the top of the league in some of those categories. So um, I'm waiting you for know. you guys to get a
2: matching sleeves just to match Ant, just to, you know, <laughs> just, go
1: yeah, just go mimic it. Yeah. Just go mimic it.
2: Just as a little, like a little homage to your guy Take- there.
1: Take the family to Orlando, making them think I'm taking them to Disney World, but we're actually just going to look at the the home that Anthony Simons grew up in. Like, just be just get weird with it. You it's, know? Not, it's not
2: that weird. No, it's pretty weird. It's no,
1: that's pretty, nah, pretty weird. Um, anyway, on the Neil O'Shea thing, obviously, me explaining that, you get a brief glimpse into how my basketball mind, my tortured basketball mind, works sometimes. A lot of apocalypse um, now
2: references. Yeah, 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 exactly,
1: exactly. So, um, moving on to another player who who is unlike Anthony Simon, someone I've been very critical of this season, and I want mm-hmm. to make sure I give credit where credit is due is Robert Covington. And there's a couple of things I want to talk about. First, I want to talk about individually what I've seen from him. And then I want to talk about some of the things that have been going on that team-wide that are very positive on the Robert Covington front. But as far as individual goes, he has been a lights out shooter for, for a couple weeks. Now mm-hmm. he's spacing the floor. He's making the most of his opportunities and his opportunities you know, aren't abundant. He had a little bit of foul trouble the other night that kind of took him out of the action, but in the, in the Cleveland game, but you know, he's really playing great and it's kind of what you wanted to see. And, you know, is he a part of this team's long-term future? I don't know. He's going to be a free agent this summer. Um, Obviously there's a lot of teams that are a little higher up in the standings that would love to have a Robert Covington on paper. We, We get back to the, The Sears, the Searsification (laughs) of Robert Covington, as we talked about on our previous podcast, but, um, you know, market to everyone. I don't know if you're really selling to anyone, but I think now this is he's he's there. I think he is a a team that if he continues to play like this, obviously, there's contenders that are going to want that on their roster. Um, What do you what have you made from Covington's performances of as of late?
0: Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the new app we've been using here on The Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and super easy to use. You can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. You can even talk to insiders, athletes, and even executives in real time. All you gotta do is download the free Spotify Greenroom app on your app store, and The Church of Roy will be there every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.
2: Yeah, last five games, 47% from the field, 48% from three, 12.6 boards, block and a half, and two steals. I mean, that's kind of what you traded two first-round picks to get. Um, I don't think the 48% from three is quite sustainable. But, you know, kind of those counting stats, I think he's clocking in at that over the last couple of years. I think we're maybe calling that a trade, you know, a win. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. what we wanted. But to me, Roko's looser. He's out there just hooping. He's dropping f bombs after the game. I like where his head's at, and
3: uh,
2: <laughs> it's it's been nice, man. Because we have kind of we, he, there's been a fair amount of criticism leveled his way this year, and deservedly so. But he's really turning around. And you brought up, you know, very early in the year, how do you get a guy who's not a volume shooter to break out of a shooting slump? And I guess it's just time. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but he, he seemed to have. He was a, had a slow start last year though too. So you know. Yep. it seems like he's kind of straightened things back out and whether he you know remains on the team past the trade deadline or after the season remains to be seen but it's good to see him playing well and and uh it it might bode well for for you know the chance of him getting moved for a piece moving forward too if if portland decides to go that route
1: i i'm happy you brought up just the term loose and and this is where i was going to go with as far as the second part is what the team-wide stuff is and this is i believe how you get a low volume shooter who made his hay in the nba as a defender is you get him into the comfort zone on the defensive end and how do you do that with robert covington you allow him to be that free safety type defender and we saw that in that king's game where individual one-on-one matchups the blazers were consistently in the right place they were consistently winning their matchups and it allowed these other players to sneak into passing lanes to get robert covington into his comfort zone when they're stopping the ball and they're they're limiting the point of attack you're asking robert covington to do less fewer things outside of his comfort zone mm-hmm which allows him to get in rhythm on defense. And I think it's very clearly and the numbers show it, it is translated to the offensive end. And really it's like, duh. Like, I don't know why I didn't think of it before, but like, it's so clear when you watch it. Cause it is, he's loose. He is very much more a part of the game in a positive way. And you know, it, it just makes so much more sense. And it's like, well, how do you get somebody back in rhythm? Well, Get them in their comfort zone at what they do best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Robert Covington has been allowed to do, mainly because the team defense has been much better. And that comes down to really, for me, let's go back to a guy like Anthony Simons who's playing pretty good point of attack defense. I mean, there's still some lapses. Yeah. You got Nasir Little, who can win matchups on the perimeter and, and use his physical gifts and, and really is buying in on selling out on on defense and then you have norman powell who's a competent defender has a long wingspan can stay in front of a lot of guys when he's playing in his natural position at a shooting guard so you know it makes sense it makes sense when you you know you put robert covington in a situation where he gets to do what he
2: does best um yeah, that's something i kind of miss that's a good that's a really good call out and something i didn't really pick up on but yeah get the got comfortable <laughs> on one end he might that might carry across that half court line, so it's a great point.
1: Yeah, i I would say this is uh, of the of the the guys that needed to turn it on, just from a point of the Blazers if they're going to start winning games here and try to crawl back into contention, which I have mixed feelings about. But that's probably another podcast as we'll see how long these wins are sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from a trade value standpoint from seeing, you know, potentially how does Robert Covington fit in long-term? If they, if that is a direction they decide to go in, you know, how does he fit into Chauncey Billups' system when things are working well? I think him playing well right now is just obviously nothing but good things. Um, Unless you are rooting for them to get a higher draft (laughs) pick, but but again, another show. Um, Let's talk about future though. Let's talk about a young guy on this roster that, Is kind of overlooked. Someone I kind of brushed off when he signed as an undrafted free agent, but that's Trenton Watford. Um, The Watford Hive is kind of building in Portland. Like I think I may have, I didn't quite get in the first wave of cheap real estate on Watford Island, and I think we're the only fan base in Portland that will that started a Watford Island. We would build one, yes. But but it's here, and there's a lot of people that are you know, the numbers don't he's not a counting stat type player, but what has really impressed me about his game is, is he is super comfortable with the ball on offense. He seems to always be in the right place. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the, the early, Maurice Harkless always kind of being in the right place on offense, being in the dunker spot, understanding space. Now, Watford can do a lot more with the ball in his hands compared to what Harkless could do, but um, even already. Now, there's some stuff on defense, but if he can be in the right position, that's going to, that, that solves like 90% of your defensive problems. So, you know, obviously not blowing the doors off of anything with his numbers. He's appeared in 14 games. If you look at his per 36 numbers, which kind of look at what, he's been afforded to play 12 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. So, I mean, granted fair I mean, we're talking about, you know, I'm talking about a small sample yep. size for Anthony Simons. This is a minuscule sample <laughs> size, but you know, 12 points per game, uh, 10 rebounds per game, three assists per game, roughly. And, and, you know, two turnovers to go with it, but he's, he's producing when he's on the floor. And I think what really impressed me is I think there's some faith coming from the coaching staff They take a timeout in the second half, in the third quarter against the Kings. They're kind of in a slump. The the offense is stagnating. They still have a lead, but they want to make sure they protect. Don't let the Kings back into this game. Mm -hmm. Out of a timeout, they run a set play where it's all Trend and Watford. They called his number in there. He drives down the paint, the sees part, perfectly executed play, manages the space, dribbles down, easy layup, two points. And then the next two possessions are points for the Blazers. And I think it's just generating that momentum. And he just seems like he's in such his basketball IQ. I think is just an NBA ready player. Now Mm -hmm. there's some stuff on the defensive end that that was his big knock. Why he probably wasn't drafted Mm -hmm. is how does he fit? What does he guard? Uh, What can he do on the defensive end? But, Man, positioning's everything. What have you seen from Trenton Watford? Do you, you have anything to add
2: to that level of assessment? I'm with you. I think defensively he can get there. Physically, he looks the part. He's long, lanky, and just his IQ, basketball IQ on the offensive end, I think eventually that that could very possibly translate. and He could at least be a good positional defender. Um, you know, kind of coming out of the draft, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, master none type guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of that being, you know, he's a pretty good playmaker at LSU. And uh, I've been really impressed for being a 6'8", big-bodied, undrafted guy. His comfort with the ball is pretty unique, I think. And it's been cool to see the coaching staff put that trust in and allow him to kind of show those, those skills. And, uh, you know, something with Watford, too, is as far as kind of the late uh, pickups as far as rookies go, so that'd be great, Brown Trin and Trinidad Watford. And it's almost – you kind of – depending on what island you're on there, not that they're exclusive. I I know plenty of people are excited about both guys, but they're kind of Brown's so flashy in the way he can just dunk. And and then you have Watford, who is just kind of that guy who's always in the right place, doing the little things to win is kind of a litmus test for how you watch basketball a little bit, I think. And so it's been kind of interesting to see that dialogue with Watford and compare that to some of the stuff about Brown.
1: Yeah, it's just nice for me to see a forward on this roster, a bigger guy on this roster that just is very consistent with his positioning, uh, very strong understanding of, of how the game is flowing. Like I think he very much knows what his role is. Now. I love that you brought up Greg Brown because I made a big deal about where Greg Brown was before he was at Texas and what his position was. I was kind of surprised and disappointed in myself when I went back and looked at Trenton Watford and where he came into college at Number 19 recruit in mm-hmm. his class. Five star. Do, you know who, do you know who he was two positions ahead of in the ESPN rankings for that year? Just take a guess. A, a rookie of the year winner. Ja. LaMelo Ball. Oh, yeah. LaMelo Ball was, timeline, was number a quite 21. Laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Trandon Watford, number 19 in that class. So, you know, ahead of a Kongwu, who's a first round pick, plays for the Hawks. LaMelo Ball, obviously with the Hornets, one rookie of the year. Um, you know, was a very highly sought out player, was a big signing for LSU, five-star recruit. Um, now, do I think he's going to get back to that level? You know, I, I, there's not a strong history of that. Yeah. But you, you did, you went down that,
2: that road and kind of flushed yeah. out some of that. <laughs> <It> wasn't pretty. <laughs> not,
1: not pretty. But what I will say is do I think he's going to be a starter? Do I think he's someone you can build the team around? I don't think so. But could he be a good eighth man? I think absolutely. And that's where I kind of like, I think you got to get excited because this is a two-way contract. And this is what these two-way contracts were designed to do was to unearth some of these these players and get them into your system and see what there is and see if we miss something uh, in the evaluation process. And and I think there's going to be a few teams at the end of the day that are going to be scratching their head going man how did we really miss out on this guy because I, I think he's going to be i think he's going to carve out a nice little role and i hope it's with portland um
2: and you know that's then, that was little strength right it was kind of unearthing some of those late rounder you know second rounders typically we are this might be two compliments for all shade in the same show this is yeah i this is wild. you
1: know are you are you if he's, right? if, you he's right? if he's also listening to this in that hut you know i <laughs> hope he's i hope he's enjoying
2: it yeah but uh so. you know it, it it'd be great to be able to scoop up even if he ends up being a 10th, 11th guy for an undrafted dude mm-hmm. with some upside. I think that's great. You know, it's good pickup. Looking like a I good mean, pickup still early, but it's looking good.
1: Really he's doing a lot of what I expected Larry Nance jr. To do yeah. on the offense event. Like, you know, you, he gets, you know, creates a little bit of space, gets the ball, gets to turn downhill. The pressure's gone to either Anthony Simons or Damian Lillard. And, and he's able to beat you know, teams in four on three situations and moving downhill and making the right decision and also to in the limited time we've seen him play next to nurk nurk has a really good feel for where he's at and i think it comes back and that's what kind of made me think of harkless was
3: mm-hmm.
1: really watching nurk turn and fire that ball to the dunker spot or that baseline spot and and having watford be there i'm like you know there's something here and, and i guess quick shout out to to nurk he's a you know, put together almost a triple double against the Kings. It was painful yeah. to watch him go, go for that last assist, but also kind of amusing, <laughs> uh, definitely very much aware that he was one assist away from a triple double. Um, it's like when you're a
2: player and you're just trying to hit that, yeah. uh, trying to hit that XP bonus.
3: Your, your teammate grade is just going <laughs> down and
2: you're like, no, no, it. going for the triple double. Um,
1: that's, that's really kind of it for blazer talk this week. I mean, two wins in a row, headed onto a long road trip. Um, I'm definitely a lot more optimistic than I thought I was going to be last week. I still don't think this team is, is, is really turned the corner. I think there's, they I think that Kings team is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the nets are obviously trying to scramble and make up some games, introduce Kyrie Irving into their lineup, but still a win's a win, especially two wins in a row, especially with Anthony Simons playing well.
2: Um, the nets win was great. I don't think we could mm-hmm. undersell that one. i I thought Durant, you know, with the way this team's defended for large stretches of the year, I thought Durant might be gunning for uh, Kobe's 81 that night, but they held him yeah. to around 30 or something and got the win against, you know, they had by far the two best players on the court. And to do that in basketball is really difficult. So the team deserves a ton of credit for that win, no, no matter who was around those two guys. So that was really and fun. Shout,
1: shout out to the Blazers, all five starters in in double digits, uh, three of them over 20. Um, you know, Nurk. He has a little bit better shooting night that night. He's over 20 himself. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it's just a solid performance Perform- and team basketball. And I think that's kind of what's been exciting uh, outside of, you know, Anthony Simon showing off some of his potential or living up to his potential, Is it hasn't been just this kind of slog watch. Yeah. It's, it's, there's been some pep in their step. They're they're playing team basketball. You're seeing some of these concepts that Roy Rogers and Chauncey Billups are trying to, to put out there on the defensive end, and to see it executed with purpose and properly, you kind of start to go, okay, I could see how this could work um, with top level talent. Like uh, I, it's been encouraging.
2: Pretty great.
1: Um, I'm gonna go on a little Steve rant at the end here because I've had a bottled up. I'm also a huge Miami dolphins fan. If you know me uh, personally, Um, their, their season came to an end. Uh, They, (laughs) they beat the Patriots rising high. I was very happy. And and I, the reason I bring this up is there is a little bit of me as far as, you know, what the hell is going on with my favorite franchises. So, you know, Monday comes around typically at the end of a regular season, this, Monday is the day when a bunch of NFL head coaches get fired. One coach I did not expect to get fired is Coach Brian Flores Mm -hmm. for the Dolphins. Um, Eight and one down the stretch of the season. (laughs) uh, Beat the Patriots twice. uh, Went one and seven then suddenly got back into the playoff conversation up until the last two weeks and he gets fired. And it comes down to this like (laughs) – it's this. It's the same. It mimics the Blazers for me, as far as there's this disconnect in the front office, and that's what it's. I don't think Brian Flores was fired for any football reasons. I mean, the offense was bad, but it was the defense was good, and the players rallied around him. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationships in the front office made it unattainable for him to stay. Is what it sounds like. And really, it just reminds me of just, I, I think some of that was the undoing of this Blazers era, which we're seeing. We don't know how far into the ashes we got, if this team can, the Blazers can rise again and, and, you know, crawl back into the playoff competition. But I think it's just the undoing of, so often I don't think we think about the relationships behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, Neil O'Shea was very unsavory um, in the pre, in press conferences for a long time. That was no surprise. But then we hear about what's going on behind the scenes. And you think about how that just impacts the entire organization. And, and I guess if I'm going to give the Dolphins the benefit of the doubt is that, you know, Brian Flores made things very hard on his assistants and uh, and it was not a good relationship behind the scenes. And, and I just think overall tying this back to the Blazers is I think sometimes I underrate how important just those, those interactions are and, and establishing a clear direction for your team is so important. And I hope with the Blazers, I hope Joe Cronin, after being around for so long, something I've talked about before is I hope he's seen what's worked and what hasn't. And I hope he has an idea for direction here because it's certainly not easy in the situation the Blazers are in. Um, I hope Dame's injury status can provide some clarity as to whether or not they shut him down or not. I think that'll really clear things up, but I just hope they're building relationships. I hope Joe Cronin is as good behind the scenes as he is in front of the camera because it certainly has been impressive. So, Brian, what do you, what do you think of, of my mini rant there? I, I know you were thinking of me when the when the Flores news came across. My phone just exploded. Yeah, I was like,
2: home. what the hell? Well, you know, as a Denver Broncos fan, they didn't even wait till Monday to ask uh, Vic Fangio. He was gone on Sunday since mm-hmm. they lost the Chiefs on Saturday. So I, too, have another franchise I root for that's in flux with <laughs> a new head coach. Uh, the GM's pretty well liked. He's in the second year of the yeah. job, but uh, the team is going to be going up for sale soon. And so there's some ownership, like weird mm-hmm. shit going on. And that has been a real um, critique of the fan base for years, just kind of the directionless uh, ownership situation. So that's something that at least for that franchise is going to get solved soon. I'm kind of curious to see how that changed the general kind of trajectory mm-hmm. of the franchise and, Mm-hmm. It's something that maybe Portland could replicate down the line if it's positive.
3: Yeah. So, and some
2: football parallels for us. today.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, and if you're a Seahawks fan listening, I know there's a lot of crossover fans Northwest. Um, man, if Seattle moves on from Pete Carroll, you you'd be hard pressed to find a better coach than Brian Flores. I know there was some stuff about, you know, potentially behind the scenes, but man, his players love him. And uh, I, it'd be a great, I think it'd be a great hire. It'd be cool to see him. See, I also, Root for sea C- i married into a seahawks family so uh you know obviously i kind of am pulling for them as well so i think it'd be a great hire um i'd take last, a r- air, for sure <laughs> last random bit i did make it out to go see licorice pizza this last weekend Ooh. um one of the most delightful movies i've seen in a long time and, and just you know it's not strong on narrative i mean it's very much just drops you into the 70s into the lives of these, these young adults and some of the characters they encounter. Bradley Cooper absolutely crushes it. Uh, excellent use of sound. And I will just say this is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies have not always been the most popular in the DWald household. <laughs> I am a huge fan. Um, there have been some big swing and misses. I think honestly, I think probably the first real kind of argument me and my wife had was walking out of inherent vice, which is a polarizing movie. You either really like it or you think it's uh, two hours of your life you'll never get back. Um, My wife was in one of those camps. I was in one of the other. Um, my wife attended Licorice Pizza with me. Absolutely loved it. So I think it passes that test. I think it's a little something for everybody. I think you don't have to be a Paul Thomas Anderson super fan to really just enjoy this movie. So
2: that's good to know because is- I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson guy myself. Uh, Boogie Nights, one of my favorites. Yeah, mm-hmm. There Will Be Blood. I had my girlfriend, I had my girlfriend watch There Will Be Blood and you want to talk about two different camps. That's one of my yep. favorite movies of all time. She's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> so yep. Yep. Well, it's uh, good the, to hear the that was master- a little more for the mass maybe. So a little yep. more agreeable yep. across the household. Yep. That's good know. Yeah. I,
1: I think the master is probably right up there for me, but there will be blood probably is top of my list as well. And I I mean, I probably watched boogie nights a million times. So, um, yeah. So if you get a chance to watch it, um, obviously I don't blame anybody for not wanting to go into a theater to, to go around a bunch of people right now, at least for a month or two. Um, but I'm sure it'll be available on streaming. I think it's well worth your time. So that that's my random movie recommendation that nobody asked for. Um, Bradley Cooper absolutely crushes it in his part. And uh, just just a solid, solid movie. Beautiful. All right. That's the show. Brian, anything before we get out of here?
2: No, nah, man. I'm uh, Nuggets, winners of 4-6. Yeah. Kind of starting to turn around a little bit, um, seems like. So I'm excited to see what Portland does Thursday. And, and I'm excited to see Ant in a featured role mm-hmm. coming soon. So I'll have some if reports from the stadium. So
1: if you're a Denver fan or you are a Blazers fan in Denver and you're going to the game as well, go find Brian on Twitter. See where he's at. Go harass him a little bit. Go. I mean, actually, I don't know if you want to be meeting up with a bunch of strangers, but you know what? Screw it. You're you're boosted. You're vaccinated. Um, If you are a Blazer fan attending uh, in Denver and you do listen to this podcast all five of you maybe um go go find us on twitter church of roy podcast um church of roy pod um you can find brian's twitter handle there so uh yeah reach out to him touch base grab a beer with a familiar face or a familiar voice and and another northwesterner so uh that's all we got we appreciate all the support as always uh until next
0: week let's go blazers go blazers Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Green Room every Saturday, bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.
1: Look around; you can find cars like these on Auto Trader: new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars.